All right. Hello and welcome back. This is Colin Keeley here. And I'm Brent Sanders. We are two guys buying and building wonderful internet companies. Yeah. And it is, it's 2023. I think this is our first recording of the new year, right? Yeah, probably. Happy new year. Happy new year as well. Yeah. So this year, I mean, we talked last episode about our, our goals and our kind of reflections of the, the prior year. This week, what do you want to talk about? So kind of an interesting thing this week is you know, Automatic is one of our businesses, database backups and different types of backups. One of the competitors, or probably the main competitor, Snapshooter is a indie software out of the UK. It was just picked up by a big strategic called DigitalOcean this week. <laughs> so kind of an interesting acquisition in space. Awesome outcome for Simon, the sole founder over there. And we were like, what does that mean for us? Because we are also building on DigitalOcean. <laughs> So this week we were about to launch and announce our DigitalOcean integration, which <laughs> you cut that to me. What was it? Tuesday? Was it yesterday morning? morning. Wednesday morning? Something like that. And I was just, I, I was a little crestfallen. I was, I mean, I'm happy for Simon. That's a huge win, especially for like a solo founder. He's going to find a home and a new company. And like for somebody who's been building in public, like it's, a, it's awesome. It's, it's a net win for everybody. It lifts kind of all of us, but I was like, fuck, like <laughs> they're good. So let's just explain what, what happened in this space. So DigitalOcean, what about three, four years ago, maybe I could be wrong in my, my time. So they're a hosting company. They're a competitor of AWS or competitor of their cloud providers. So they started offering a managed database service and then that opened the doors for, okay, well, you're hosting my database. We're going to back it up. Like there's some other big players that were doing this. Like Heroku had a, a Postgres offering without getting too nerdy and technology oriented, it, it's like there was a clear gap that, you know, they're hosting your database, but then they're doing some backup, but they weren't doing, they would only back it up for two weeks. So you want to back up monthly beyond that, you got to do it yourself. So Simon definitely filled that gap. And then they opened a marketplace about a year or two ago or so, maybe 18 months. And he was the first company kind of highlighted in there for DigitalOcean and had a really strong integration. We've essentially tried to, you know, catch up with him and, and have finally done that. And then just recently got a, you know, an acquisition happened for him. So a strategic coming in and essentially swallowing the product. So I was a little like, oh man, like there's not going to be as much of a need. You'd probably, I don't know how they're going to integrate the product. If they're going to keep it, if it's snapshot or buy DigitalOcean or just their backup tool and they're going to give it to you for free. You know, I, I still think there's plenty of space in the market. I'm not like disheartened, like, oh, but it, it was like our strategy in the short term to kind of go into that marketplace and, and up some of that, that market share. Yeah. So I did a bunch of research on them you know, months back and he built in public on Twitter and his podcast. So it's pretty easy to get a lot of information. And his biggest distribution is DigitalOcean, like the marketplace. So it's like one click integration. So it's kind of like thinking it of Shopify marketplace or something like that. And the other one is Twitter. So he just built in public. A lot of developers follow him, agencies, whatever, and sign on that way. The big question is always like, so a strategic bot, your competition, like, is that good for you or bad for you? So yeah. Like, it's not clear at all. I think often it ends up being good for you. So I think going through the bad first is like, in theory, they have way more money to improve the products, really push on distribution and like crush smaller competitors or they integrate it into the main product and like competitors are not worth like meaningful anymore. I think realistically, often these things are like cool ideas by someone within the company and just are not the priority. 
And often they kind of end up withering and dying because they just, you know, don't get the attention. And then the founder, so I don't know how the structure was set up. He's staying on. So I assume there's a large earnout component. So he probably sticks around for a couple of years and then leaves. So maybe there's a push for like increasing revenue in the short term, but in the long term, I think he got this bundle of cash and yeah, it's just not going to be a priority. I think people also like kind of supporting third-party companies. So you were saying it's a big motivation in this space to not have it all in one product. You kind of yeah, want to separate it. And like, let's be clear, we host, you know, Automatic has some of their hosting on DigitalOcean. So, you know, it's the the idea that everything is is in one place as a third-party backup. Like we have stuff on AWS, we have, you know, redundancy, we have, like, I, I guess I don't know if he was, if he did have redundancy, if that'll stay any longer. But there's, more importantly, there's like the visibility of it. It's like, oh, well, this is a DigitalOcean product. I shouldn't use a DigitalOcean product to back up my DigitalOcean product. I should use just the nature of what these products are is they're, they're meant for increasing redundancy. So you want to kind of use a couple of different providers, maybe use something that isn't on a cloud provider. And that, that's what we, we kind of offer. So I think there is still plenty of space for us in the market. I think the innovation that we've done to fix our sort of top of funnel to allow people to kind of get in the door faster and easier is definitely going to continue to help us. But, you know, more importantly, as you look at like your overall disaster recovery or yeah, you're like how you're, you're backing things up and where the, these things are living. I think that it actually may dissuade people from, you know, doing things on, on board. Although, you know, I think they were missing these gaps. Again, I'm looking from the outside as a user of their, their services is they had more backup options on like their native platform. And then they kind of went away with those and they must just be using this kind of backfill issues or gaps yeah. in their internal software. So I think that's the direction it's going to go. It's going to become part of their platform. It, it gets swallowed up by a product team. It's like, I don't see him innovating the product into kind of the other direction that we're going, like into GitHub backups or some of the other developer tools that, you know, data backups that you want to be be doing that are, that are outside of just databases and hosting. Yeah. And it's worth saying, like, we're not building exclusively on DigitalOcean. So maybe the Shopify right. comparison isn't perfect. I guess long-term, it probably means don't focus on DigitalOcean quite as much, but that was never mm -hmm. really our sole focus anyway. So not a huge deal, but it's also maybe just good as like a flag in the ground to see a big outcome for kind of any developer in the space. Yeah. I assume it's a big outcome because he mentioned on the podcast, like it was a strategic multiple before that he was talking through. That's awesome. I'm happy for him. Like, regardless if it's a competitor or not, like, I think that's such a great thing for this space to see, you know, so the, the I, w I don't know if I want to call it like micro SaaS because I, I don't really don't know what his number is. They must've been, you know, good enough for someone to, to acquire it, but it's just, it's good to see. When, so he was public until he's like 20 K MRR and it was growing quickly. And that was, I think over a year ago. So I, I don't know where he's at. I would say 50 K at least. Yeah. But I don't good. know. Good. Um, cool. Well, you want to talk about besides this kind of interesting thing i discovered this week is constellation was went public or it was reported their 2022 acquisitions so some of them are just crazy you know we were encountered a couple of them so they bought 134 software companies in 2022 they deployed 1.743 billion dollars the median deal size which is the craziest stat to me was 3.3 million so yeah tiny tiny companies largest deal 700 million and that sorts out to almost three deals per week, which is wild. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, it, it's unimaginable to me, you know, to be 
doing it, but you know, you break it into teams. If you were to have, you know, enough people working on this, that, that pace is great. But I, I love that number of the, the median deal size. I saw that tweeted out by someone else as well is like, there actually is still a lot of activity on the lower end of the market. What I would say that sub $5 million space, what felt like when we started doing this was like, well, people just don't really buy software, you know, big companies don't buy software companies that are, you know, sub 5 million, but they clearly do. And they see, you know, I don't know if this is a, an effect of saturation of bigger companies already getting purchased or, you know, being in a place where they're, they're hard to work with, but it's gotta be a clear driver that, you know, if you start at this lower number, it's easier to create higher multiples. Yes. Yeah, so the other thing that they estimate is that the average price paid is 0.8 times ARR, which is wild. Sub one times ARR. Wow. Yeah. Okay. How? I guess, are these not growing businesses, do you think? I would, I would guess most of them are flat. So we've encountered them where they've paid, you know, four and a half times ARR you know, quickly growing mm -hmm. companies. So maybe a unique situation, but yeah, this is what these like analysts kind of back into is that they're paying 0.8 times ARR. I don't get that. It's that's, wild. that's kind of a, an interesting number. How do you explain it? I mean, the best explanation is like, I could go through their sourcing process and I think it's just these companies that don't have other options and they cozy up to them over a long period of time. Um, mm. But so one of the business unit leaders, so like, Constellation spit into like six different tribes effectively. And most of them go by vertical. So one of the leaders, I think, I think he was Harris. I don't remember exactly. was on a podcast and he talked through their kind of sourcing process. So they have three different types. They have outbound. So they have the army of folks kind of calling prospective owners and managers daily. And that's like to initiate conversations and maintain relationships. Then they have brokers and advisors. So make sure brokers know what markets they're in, type of businesses they're interested in. And then corporate carve-outs. And so they're nurturing tens of thousands of these companies, tens of thousands of weeds. And at all times, they want to know kind of where they are in the development and life cycle and thinking around terms of an exit or a sale. And their goal is not to be like the only person that's contacted, you know, when a company's ready to sell, just to like be in the conversation and like be ready when it happens. This is a crazy stat he said is they actually, the average time from identifying a company to closing a company is four to five years. So it's not like speed dialing. It's like very much long-term relationship building and like dinners, dinners over many years. That's awesome. That That's actually good to hear because, you know, I think we, I think there's been a lot of conversations that we have at least over the last two years of folks that have great businesses that are just like, they want to sell, but then they, they're like, you know what, I, we're going to go back and we're going to make this an even better opportunity two years later, four years later, whatever. So. That's actually gives me hope that, you know, a lot of those conversations in time isn't just necessarily squandered, but it's just part of the game of like, you know, A, building your own reputation and then B, you know, building a, a relationship with somebody and knowing what you're getting into. Because I, I would say when we do find a deal, do the diligence, close it quickly, it's like, it always feels really, really, really fast from a, what you're acquiring is like you know, either a decade of somebody's life. Right. And there's so many, like, you're not going to find all the things and you're not going to really know all the dynamics, but you know, when the opportunity is there, so it's way better to know, kind of go through that over, you know, a couple of years and understand the ups and downs and the, you know, otherwise I think there's a fair, I don't know, a fair explanation for, you know, going back and looking at, at 
at the business. You just kind of know it versus coming in and looking at it for, okay, three months or however long it takes to close a deal. Yeah. My thinking around this is like, man, four to five years. I don't know how many companies are buying in four to five years, but it's going to be a lot more than today. And it's like, you got to start planting these seeds now. If the, yeah. and the expectation, like you got to start hundreds of conversations in a year so that that's actually fruitful in four to five. I've talked to other like serial acquirers and theirs is more like ours where it's like four to five months from meeting someone to closing. Mm -hmm. You, you want to do it in 30 days. It just never seems to work out that way. But yeah, if this is the approach, it's like, huh, we got to think about this over a much longer period of time. The other kind of interesting thing, the only way they're able to do so many deals is they have, they call them hunting licenses that are decentralized. So many, many senior leaders kind of maintain their own relationships with all these different folks all these different prospects and they're empowered to close their own deals up to a certain dollar amount. Often it's like 5 million before they need management approval. It's like five to mm. 15. It's something like a, a good multiple of the median deal size. Mm. Interesting. Well, the other thing, as we continue to, uh, yeah, go ahead. That, the other thing about winning deals is so this, you know, 0.8 to 1x ARR is the price they're paying, it seems most of the time. So they're rarely the highest price paid, but the big thing they offer is just a good home. So sellers know that they're not going to get embarrassed or like be in the paper for something weird that Constellation did. And then the ability to close. So they always have the capital kind of ready to close quickly and you know, deploy it. So brokers like the ability to close. They obviously hate the prices that Constellation is willing to pay. Yeah. And that's funny. That's counter to, I guess, the, the deals that we looked at that, although in thinking of the one deal that we, we kind of were were in talks to close and then they came in and, and outbid us is like, they were willing, they would have been willing as a guest, they would have been willing to kind of close for less. I think they were in a weird situation. It's funny as you think about, you know, there's just a lot of unique situations. And I guess that is where, you know, being around it helps, but also just having capital definitely is one thing, but you know, it's funny to hear it doesn't sound like they're paying top dollar. It doesn't sound like they're, you know, my expectations, they're just. Coming in, outbidding everybody by, a, you know, a fair margin because they can. But it, it, the reality is, is that it sounds like you're getting really good deals and it, they're not really trading on price. They're trading on something else. It's wild. I mean, the deals on paper, it's not exactly what we've seen in reality, but they're so good that there would be like hundreds or thousands of like search funders out there willing to pay good multiples of what's actually being paid. But Constellation mm -hmm. is still out there winning, you know, hundreds of deals every year. It's wild. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, so they publicly put that out, huh? They just kind of do that yearly. I don't know what the source was for this initially. Is it because yeah. they're a public company they're doing that? Uh, yeah, you're asking whether public companies have to disclose. They don't have to disclose like valuations. Yeah. So like small things often just never get disclosed. You know, startups get acquired. People won't disclose the amount by the public company. I think maybe they have to say it in aggregate, but they don't have to say it individually. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cause so like, for example, I was wondering if we'd be able to figure out what, you know, simple backups was acquired for DigitalOcean public company, but it sounds like, you know, the transaction itself likely not to come to, especially if there's an earn out and, you know, calculating that'll be pretty difficult on a snap shooter was the one acquired simple backups is another competitor. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I get them mixed up all the time. Yeah. They're very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? No, I think that's, that's what's going on here. We we're seeing some, some interesting activity and I think next episode, we're going to dive into some other esoteric business structure stuff. You put some notes together, but yeah, stay tuned. I think we got some interesting stuff coming up in this next month or two. Yeah. I've been spending a lot of time trying to wrap my head around like C-Corps, LLCs, S-Corps, 
QSBS, like how do you actually structure a whole green company and pay the least amount on taxes? But anyway, that's so boring. Uh, we'll cover that next time. <laughs> it's so boring, but it matters a lot. It it's interesting. You got to know it. Yeah. Well, someone does, and it seems like the average accountant doesn't when it gets into these complicated structures. You know, the funny thing is, is like the accountants seem to know, but then they always throw it back on you. They're like, well, which one, which paintbrush do you want to use? Like there is a design effort. There's a creativity to it in in my mind of like how things are structured. And that's the attractive part to me around around business. But like they know it, but they're always asking for you to kind of tell them because they're expecting you to design this, the enterprise essentially like, well, how are these things interconnected? I can't tell you. I, you can tell me what your objectives are and I can make an, an advisement, but it's like, at the end of the day, it's like your attorneys who kind of have to bring the terms to them versus letting them design a deal. Yeah, I'd say the other thing is like the average accountant doesn't deal with holding companies and like all these weird interrelated legal structures. So it just doesn't come up that much. And then it really depends like the business priorities. Like, are you going to be you're buying, holding, cash flowing these things. You think there's a chance of selling. And then it changes constantly, depending on like mm-hmm. you know, who's in power, the president or Congress. And it's always under like turmoil and threat. So you know, what's best is not always the same. So it's yeah. kind of what's best yeah, today. But anyway, we'll dangle that carrot and I'll talk about it next time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, before we wrap up, how is you are now, how many weeks into being a dad? How's it? Finn would be six weeks. When was he born? Friday or Saturday? Yeah, he's about six weeks now. It's going well. He's getting much chubbier and like looking healthier. So that's cool. Social awesome. smiles, which is like, I didn't know this. I, I'd never really interacted with young babies before. They, if they smile, it's like inadvertent until, you know, roughly six weeks of age. So I think he's starting to do it. And I don't think he really controls it completely yet. That's been fun. You know, little baby that's smiles. That's so cute. Uh, yeah. Aww. It's all sunshine and, and rainbows at Colin's house. Yeah. He doesn't cry. He doesn't wake up. We no, I mean, he definitely wakes up at night and he, he cries some. They, they have the witching hour where they just seem like irritable. And that's like around dinner time, basically, if they didn't just yeah. eat. But yeah, he's getting better. We're doing a lot more tummy times. It's funny. I love the like high-pitched chirps where he's like really trying hard to do a push-up and like lift the setup instead of just being face-planted. It was there. It was hilarious. <laughs> well, fast forward three years. I was tickling my son on the couch last night and he shit his pants. So there's that, you know, you get oh, that yeah. to look forward to. And he's your potty trained, right? So that shouldn't be happening. He, he is, but the accidents still happen. He's still going to, to preschool or can, you're not even kindergarten preschool. So yeah, he, he, he can hold it. Just don't tickle him. That, that was a lesson learned. So that was a fun cleanup. So enjoy, enjoy it while you're, you're doing it. Every phase is, I guess, something to look forward to. And it's funny. We. I've been talking, I think we mentioned this in the last one about kids. It's like, keep talking to folks that their kids are grown and they're like, hold on to it as, as much as you can. So I've been really changing my mindset after talking to friends about this, of like, even changing a, you know, craft in underwear in the shower. I'm just kind of relishing it because it, yeah, it's not going to stay on, stay around forever. Yeah. That was another benefit of newborns is like the diapers just aren't that bad yet. I guess oh, yeah. they have real food. Oh, yeah, it yeah. didn't occur to me. Obviously, I don't, didn't interact with diapers before that. Thank God. Cool. Well, that's the, that's the diaper news going on here. Yeah. Well, anyway, until next week, try to be more consistent. Yeah. All right, see you guys. Thanks for watching.